Hendricks readies. The leg kick, the pitch, swung on, belted, deep down the left field line. It is a grand slam to walk it off. Steve Pierce, his ninth home run of the year, is a grand slam, and he will await the mob at home plate. Courtesy of KGMZ, that's the call of the winning grand slam yesterday by Steve Pierce, and somebody who wrote about him in the Toronto Sun post-media. Steve Buffery, the Beezer joins us. What's up, Steve? Not bad, Mike. How you doing? I'm hanging in. Thank you. Now, just share this, because I'm always intrigued when I see a post-game story like this, because I know the way that the print guys operate, where you'll have a game story and you'll be looking for sidebars, and you try right. to write during the game. Um, did did you have this story started uh, with Steve Pierce, or did you pick all of this stuff up post-game? No, well, I've been thinking of writing something on him, because he certainly played better since he came off the DL, and I was thinking of... One of those deals, Mike, you know how it works. You, you know, you, you've got an idea what you want to write, but yeah. you want to sort of wait for some the guy to do something spectacular. So, of course, you know, you can't get much more spectacular than hitting a walk-off grand slam. And I thought, I was fortunate enough that I had a colleague with me from the, the Sun slash Post Media, and he was doing a game or so. After the initial interview with Steve Pierce and all the media guys, I just went to his locker and chatted with him for another 15, 20 minutes alone. So... Yeah, so that was, I want to do something on him because, uh, you know, I don't think a lot has been written about him compared to some of these other guys, and he's really come out of his funk lately. So, you know, a lot, as you know too, Mike, uh, you know, with, with the work you do, that, you know, generally speaking, if you can get these guys alone, you're going to yeah. get more from them than if there's like 30 other guys hanging around, you know? Absolutely. And you found, I think you found the money angle on this one that his family was up, and, and that's not a norm. Yeah, amazing because, you know, the great thing is, like, you know, they, they've, they've only been up here twice. They live in Florida, and uh, the first time they came up right after spring training, and he wasn't playing well, and he got hurt a week later. So it was really disappointing, and he decided to fly them back again Wednesday night, and sure enough, they, they go to their first game, and boom. And, uh, you know, it's like I wrote my article. It's like, you know, usually when something like that happens, you want to find your dad or your wife in the stands, and you make the eye contact thing, but he had no clue as to where the, uh, the uh, you know, the wives of players sat so he just basically said he said i think he said he gave a little wave just hoping that they were still watching him obviously so it was it was great it was a good night he's uh, he's Perfect got another timing. he's got another year left on the contract and and yeah. you know i think people uh, when they're playing fantasy gm have traded everybody off the toronto blue jays in, in one deal or another what do you think steve pierce's future is in toronto well, it's a great question mike it all comes down to what uh, shapiro and atkins decide to do with this team i mean if they're serious about um, you know, staying competitive for next year, then you can't completely blow up this team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and everybody knows that when they brought in Steve Pierce, the question was that they were going to play him at first and, and not, you know, and, you know, let Smoke DH once in a while and whatnot and left field once in a while. But they, he hasn't played first because Smoke has just been so great this year. So left field, as is, is most Blue Jays fans realize, is it's been sort of a Achilles heel for the team this year. So, you know, he's playing finally like Gibbons and all them thought he would, like he played in Baltimore. So, you know, I think he's a guy to want to keep around because he's got so many useful things he can do. He's a, he's a utility guy, and his money isn't that big. So I figure that, you know, even if they get rid of some guys, like they don't bring Batista back and they try to, you know, they get rid of Estrada and Liriano and that kind of thing, I think they might want to bring him back because... I think they might get Anthony Alfred or Dwight Smith Jr. a try next year, and, and they still want a guy who can go in and play the infield and play the outfield when they need him. I think he's a perfect guy for that. 
You know what it's like after uh, some games in certain major league cities, uh, every once in a while they'll invite kids down to run the bases. If they were to do that after a Jays game and you were to run a race against Tulowitzki, who would win? Oh, my God. Oh, geez, I would win on one leg, and I'm an old guy. <laughs> like it's, you know, and the thing is, and I've asked, I've asked them this, is it, what's the problem? Is it just he's just slow now, or he's afraid of hurting something? And it, he can't be that slow. There's no way. So he's either still sore or he's afraid. I mean, you see him coming home last night. He didn't even turn. He didn't even try to turn on the Jets. It was pathetic. So, I mean, what do you do with like that? To me, people talk about you know trading Estrada and Liriano and bringing Batista back. But the big thing is, what do you do about a you know a shortstop who's still a, a great defensive shortstop anywhere near the ball, but his range is down, his batting average is down, his power is down, and now what are you going to start pinch hitting this guy in the sixth, seventh inning? Like, you know, I mean, what what exactly? No one's going to want him, Mike. I mean, who wants? A shortstop who's aging dramatically, who can't run at $20 million a year. To me, if they can, I'll tell you what, no matter what else Atkins does, if he can find a way to get somebody to pick up Tulowitzki, then, you know, then I'll give him, I'll give him another two years, uh, grace period to do whatever else he wants because, to me, that's the question, because I think it's just going to get worse with this guy. Well, he'd have to come, whoever the GM would be, would have to pull off a Masai Ujiri, right, to be able to move this thing. And, uh, you know, I, I think it would be an interesting question, even without the contract involved, which is $20 yeah. million for the Reindeer, this or whatever's left on the 20 this year, 20 next year, 20 in 19, and 14 in 2020. Yeah. Um, yeah. Could you move this guy just in a baseball deal if he didn't have the contract connected well, to him? that's... That's that's another good question. I, I I do think you probably could, Mike, because you know I mean you know what our teams are like when they're getting great close to the nitty gritty, and you know shortstop is not one of their sort of better uh, positions on their team. I mean, you talk to John Gibbons about Tulowitzki; he still loves the guy because he is he is an anchor out there, and he will pretty well field any ball that's near him. He just doesn't have the range and the speed, so. You know, I mean, if he, he is a solid anchor infielder, it's probably the most important position in the infield. So, yeah, without the money, I think there would be interest in him. But maybe the only way they can trade him, Mike, is if the Jays just bite the bullet and say, look, man, we'll just pay this much of his salary if you take him off our hands. And maybe there's a team out there, maybe there's one or two teams on the, uh, you know, on, on the cusp of doing something big that would do it. But it would. It would have to be, uh, it would have to be something that, you know, it goes without without even any doubt that the, the Jays would have to pick up a lot of his contract. But again, you, you just said it: three years with a fourth year option. I mean, he might be a huge anchor on the side of this team for the next few years, especially when you're trying to rebuild something. Absolutely, Steve Buffery joining us from the Toronto Sun and Post Media. Uh, what did you think of the umpiring yesterday and the way that Strowman reacted to it? Well, you know what, Mike? Uh, you know, I, I, I watched a lot of the pitches over again and that kind of thing. I looked at all those graphs and whatnot, and he, and he got burned a little bit. But so did the, so did the, uh, the Oakland star, or the, uh, the other starter, too, a little bit. I mean, but the problem is, Strowman is making this almost a daily thing. I mean, just a few games ago against Houston, he was bitching and complaining about the umpire calling time when he was in his, that delay windup yeah. that he does now. And he's. I, I, and I wrote at the time, Mike, that this guy is not doing himself any favors because, you know, umpires, like, they have long memories and, and you know, and, and they all, and Gibbons and that say, DeMarlo Hale said last night, you know, Strowman has to pitch for the motion and that's fine. But, you know, you get a reputation in this league 
an umpire is not your buddy anymore, and he can call all these borderline pitches the other way, and that can completely screw up your light, your night. Let's face it, right? So he's got to figure out a way to get it under control because he's not doing himself any favors, and I don't know if I buy into this. Emotion is a good thing, Mike, but pitchers also have to have control. And if you're letting your emotions get the better of you, I mean, you're, you're telling me that you're, you're, all your stuff is under control. I don't think so. So to me, if I'm the Jays, you've got to sit down with Stroman and say, look, man, let me, remember they used to talk about Jose Batista arguing with the umps? Yeah. And, and, and he's really calmed down. You know, like he, he did that little thing yesterday. He's got to shrug, shrug his shoulders. But I think this is a thing that they really have to address, and they, they got to do it soon because Stroman is not doing himself any favors. Uh, he says he pitches better when he plays with emotion. Do you yeah. write? Do you write better when you're angry? Uh, yeah, actually, I do because usually I'm pissed off in the desk for demanding that I get the coffee and right away. And you, you know, somebody just hit a home run at the bottom of the night, so anger is a good motivating factor. But uh, you know, but I don't yell at the, I don't I don't yell at my colleagues beside me like Stro does. But uh, you know, anger could be a good thing. On the other hand, I'm not my coffee isn't pinpoint control, so. <laughs> You know, you <laughs> that's what makes you know, an entertaining Mike. read, though the fact that you well, don't I know what's so. going. Right, exactly. <laughs> the other game when the the two games that are always had the right stories on deadline with the lead changing like right away. You know how difficult that is. Absolutely, so, Steve. Yeah. A pleasure. Thanks so much for doing this, man. Enjoy the Anytime, weekend, and we'll Mike. talk soon. Thanks, you Steve. Too, bye. Steve Buffery joining us from the Toronto Sun, talking a little baseball.